Josh, do you want to open up with some weird non sequitur? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Raw Ketchup, episode two. Today we have our good friends, Tyler and Danny. Hi, thank you for having me. Yes, I, I yeah. appreciate you guys coming to have this little chat with us. Howdy. Yeah, so today's, uh, today's topic of uh, discussion is going to be what do you want yourself to amount to in the future? What, uh, what, what are your future plans? What do you want to do with your life? So, Danny, how about you start this one off? Because you were the one that kind of... <laughs> so, my ultimate goal is to work in a prison running the programs that inmates go through to rehabilitate. So, I would be like a... I wouldn't be like a counselor... But the programs that the counselors would be running, like, I would be creating and developing those programs. I see. Okay. Yeah. But I want to do it on a really grassroots level. So, like, I want to go into the prisons. I want to understand what's working and what's not working. So a little bit more than arts and crafts time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. This is, like, real critical self-reflection. Like, this is, like, hard work. Yeah, that no, I'm these, sure it's, it's that hard. I want these inmates to have to go through. No, what does that require going into that? Like, um... <laughs> so weirdly enough, um, nothing it seems. Uh, I nothing. have looked into it, and there's no like degree you can get for it. There's no like all the positions for it seem to be like as long as you have a high school degree and some background in this stuff, like cool and or a high school diploma i'm sorry so i'm thinking i'd probably get in pretty easy yeah having no. a degree in sociology wow no i have to ask you said uh, at a grassroots level are, are you referring more to like local facilities yeah so mm. i want to get prisoners involved in their communities and mm. that's like a big no-no because communities are like no we don't want criminals in our communities right but that's not healthy that's, no, it's, that's for not any human no no yeah. and I, giving them the opportunity to give back to their communities is making reper repercussions is making amends yeah for sure in my opinion yeah i mean there definitely is a stigma in society where we we tend to shun prisoners even though prison is meant to be or you know prison or jail is intended to be like this place for rehabilitation and growth mm -hmm. it's counterproductive that we view them as just rejects rather than people who you know deserve another chance and is, a lot of that yeah, uh, I was gonna say it's it's kind of funny because at the same time when you actually think about statistics now, I don't I don't have any like boards or charts to say statistics right now, but in my at least common knowledge, a, a majority of prisoners aren't even like people who made super harsh like crimes. Yes. Like usually it's people that just were selling dope or or mm. something. Like now there are the ones that are like child predators and yes. and rapists and stuff like yeah. that in like severe cases but a majority of them especially seeing like the comparison on how long people are actually charged for time mm -hmm. like the charge time for someone who's selling drugs usually and almost always is far more than the person that does something heinous like rape or or mm -hmm. child pornography or something mm -hmm. like really just disgusting you'd be amazed at how hard it is to get convictions for things like that too that's insane <laughs> Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's like the social structures around us that allow those things to happen. Mm -hmm. It's the stigmas that we carry that 
we perpetuate. Mm-hmm. No, I have to ask, like, how did this come about? Where, where did you first start thinking about getting into this? So I was in college and I was totally failing. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I was trying to be a high school English teacher and I realized that I hated Shakespeare and children. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I took one sociology class and my friend went to prison. And I started writing to my friend in prison, and he introduced me to his friend that he met in prison, who is now one of my closest friends. He's doing a 16-year stretch for uh, attempted murder. Wow. Wow. That's And I have been, I mean, I talk to him twice a week, and we talk about, like, the programs that are available to him and how hard it is to get into these programs. And the, the lack of availability and how um, just unconnected they are from the rest of the world and their mm-hmm. communities and how we're isolating them and not allowing them to get any better. Mm-hmm. But he's definitely a hard ass because he threatened me. <laughs> <laughs> Is that so? <laughs> how did he threaten you? He wanted to give me a talk on the phone. <laughs> oh, my he's God. He's like, I just want to talk to him. I just, just want to talk. I just, I just want to talk yeah, to him. A nice buddy buddy, you know? <laughs> No, he really is a great friend, though. And That's he's very good. supportive of me and Ty. So. Yeah, we never had the talk. He was like, he gets it. He gets it. <laughs> he gets he's it. like, I as long as he makes you happy. Like a faint knuckle crack over yeah. the phone. <laughs> 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 I heard it, and I was like, oh. He's a very good friend, and he's mm-hmm. very supportive. So um, I'm assuming you've done a lot of research on these topics. Oh, then, absolutely. So, you, so you, you know a fair share of what's going on with the world. So um, I've heard talk multiple times that other countries like in europe have far better correctional facilities than we do in terms of the stigma behind prisoners and how they hold them there and the programs that are available how the public views them Mm -hmm. how much different like how how big of a difference is it between us and them i mean think about it this way they have programs that involve their communities with their criminals Mm -hmm. we do not we completely isolate them to the point where, you know, once you commit a crime, you are a dangerous person for life. Yeah, it sticks that with you. That carries with you mm. forever until you die. And in these other facilities, we're seeing these programs that have that allow cr- prisoners to create things that like products for their communities, and they're mm. making food for you know the local homeless and like just uh, things that would end stigmas towards these people that we don't have right and they're allowing these prisoners to really do introspective work that we are not allowing because our programs are so restricted (laughs) it's so ridiculous Mm -hmm. like it's it's really hard to believe that that um I mean, I don't know where this all started with this idea that we just we jail them and that's their life forever. They're just this hardened criminal behind bars and that's the only thing they'll ever know for the rest of their life, even once they're out. Have you heard of the school to prison pipeline? No, I have no idea what that is. So, I have. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you? I, I don't know much about it, but I have, I have, I have heard that term before. It's basically mm-hmm. that um, it, it affects black kids mostly, mm-hmm. but it's in... We see it where students go to school 
and black kids are being expelled at three times the rate of white students. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're teaching them that when you're in trouble, you're not allowed to participate in things. And then they don't feel like, well, if I'm not allowed to participate in things, this isn't like something that's meant for me. Mm-hmm. You know, education doesn't want me. Why would I want an education? And so we're seeing these student lockups where students are getting expelled and suspended because of really trivial things. Mm-hmm. And then once they make it out of school, they're going straight into the prison systems because we're not teaching them corrective behaviors. Right. So they, they, they completely avoid school at that point because they feel like they're not even wanted there, there there anyway. And that leads to them hitting up the street in some bad demeanor. And even then, half the time, probably the thing they're doing isn't even that bad, but because of the color of their skin and a possible possession of a narcotic or, or something, mm-hmm. just it's an immediate jail, which is insane. <laughs> yeah. I think it's um, every student that gets suspended or expelled, every black student particularly that gets suspended or expelled will come into contact with law enforcement in the next year. That's insane. That is so crazy. And that is the school to prison pipeline that we're allowing to happen in our country. And that is something that like Mm -hmm. we need our our whole prison system needs fixed. Mm hmm. And I can't fix that alone, mm-hmm. but maybe I can put in some programs that are going to change somebody's view of something. Yeah, I mean, that's that's ultimately how things happen on a bigger scale is you need to get the ball rolling somewhere. Like, you can't just start with, I'm going to reform the prison system as one person for my entire life and it will happen. Like, mm-hmm. no, it usually mm-hmm. is like a sequence of someone has an idea, they put the idea in motion, the ball starts rolling, it starts to build that person moves on with their life, someone else picks it up, refines Mm. it, cultivates it in some other way, and it starts to grow from there, and it eventually leads to the big change that you need. Mm. Um, So yeah, I'd really, I'm really excited to see what you potentially can do with that if you you manage to pull it off. That could be really interesting. I agree. You know, like it, it's very intelligent to start off with, you know, with that grassroots perspective because the small changes are what lead into those larger movements that eventually do change these systems. And I mean, I, I have to say that just looking forward, I am optimistic, you know, for the future with our prison system, with all of that, because things do change over time. And with a lot of people, you know, like you who are motivated to do that and make that change, I do think it's possible. Like, do you share that same optimism? Um, I think I have that optimism because we're seeing the studies done in Europe. Right. Mm-hmm. We're seeing results. And we're seeing the comparisons to our own and we're thinking, man, we are fucking up here. <laughs> have you seen the viral posts from Allegheny County? Yeah. Uh, yeah, for the most part. Oh, they're disgusting. I'm sure. The conditions, the food. I mean, prisoners are freezing so bad inside of the, in, inside of the jail that mm-hmm. when they go to take a shower, their skin burns. Oh my God. Jesus. That's the kind of conditions we're talking about here. Jesus. That's insane. And mm. that gives me a lot of anxiety about it. So, mm-hmm. but, you know, I have to be optimistic because that's my job. Yeah. To fix it. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to believe in a better future because I want to make that better future. 
That is a wonderful way to look at it. Very Thank good. You. That is that is poetic. That is beautiful. That is beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. So you're you're an avid marijuana user, right? <laughs> <laughs> you could say that. Yeah. My sister knows a lot of things, so I have no reason to not trust her. But she had concerns that you couldn't get a job if you smoked weed. Um, you know, that's entirely possible. But honestly, this is like something that my life has led up to. And if that means stopping the, th- that the one exactly thing that question. I love, I'm gonna have to do it until the laws catch up to it where my medical marijuana card is something that can protect my job. And that's a cool yeah. thing because we're actually seeing a lot of advancements in that recently too. Is mm-hmm. is that being more of a legalized thing in an understanded understandable thing which is really cool um but that's also a very noble point that you would go to the lengths of like this is a thing i enjoy but i'm willing to give it up if it means getting to do the thing that i really want to do oh yeah i really want to hit home at like Mm -hmm. and that that's that's sadly like well not necessarily sadly like i feel like that's a thing that anyone could experience anywhere in the world but especially here i feel like it is big on a matter of if you want to do the thing you really love doing and you really want to like go and do it you usually have to give something huge up in your life yeah there are absolute sacrifices and that's hard to make those are hard hard choices to make and i'm willing to make that choice if i have to yeah so what what if i double down and i ask you quit nicotine they're just like you can't smoke cigarettes i would love to quit nicotine um i have been smoking since i was 12 years old my 12th birthday, I got my first full pack of cigarettes. So I've been smoking since I was like 11, oh realistically. Um, I just quit cigarettes like last year. Proud of you. Very good. And I started vaping. I hate it so much. Mm. I loved being a cigarette smoker. I was like, I thought I was hot shit. <laughs> yeah. i thought it was sexy that's, that's the you know. appeal i mean that, that was the image even back in like you know the 20th century you would see someone cool on television like taking yeah a i was a like, hard ass yeah cowboy with a roll up i'd know? put it yeah. in my guitar strings and stuff like when i was playing like up at the top mm. and like wow. i remember my church pastor came over to me one day and i had like, it in my ukulele <laughs> and he looked at me and he was like i don't condone smoking but you look badass right now ah. <laughs> wow. that he was a terrible influence i get the picture but I come on man it. yeah like do you think you were like tom from tom and jerry in that one cowboy skit <laughs> when he rolls him up in the cigarette yeah so i think i feel like a douche vaping and i would love to quit mm-hmm. and i'm because i quit cigarettes i will not go back to cigarettes um but so that means i'm doing something that i hate and i hate mm-hmm. it and I want to stop. I mean, I think not wanting to look like a douchebag is the best motivator you can come up with. I look like a douchebag. I do. Mm-hmm. All right. But those 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 habits are hard to kick, and it's one step at a time. Yeah. All right, Josh. How about you? We're going right over to me. Oh yeah, we're we're hard pivoting. That is. <laughs> I feel like this is a hard act to follow. That's okay. All right. Um. Well. Um. I would like to be a writer, and I. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not 100% on where that is going to lead me. So my, my personal history with wanting to be a writer was that it started when I was in like eighth grade. I used it um, back then more, more so as a means of escapism than anything else, right? You know, I, I would sit at home. I would write stories. I, I would just kind of lose myself in that. 
as an escape, you know, as, as you know, video games were to me, as television was to me. Mm-hmm. But then over time, it, it became more of a, a serious creative passion that I really enjoyed. And that's what ended up, you know, leading me to pursue a creative writing major at our university that we attended. And, you know, from there, I, I went there for four years. I did that. And after all that time and the two years I've been out of school, I, I really, I have a continued desire to be a writer. But over time, I'm just not 100% on where that's going to lead me mm-hmm. because I'm still invested in prose. I really want to be like a short story writer. I've never, inte- I never intended on being a novelist. I've always looked up more so to like, you know, like Richard Carver or, you know, Joyce Carol Oates, the, the big people from the 20th century who focus a lot of their time on creating these smaller, more condensed narratives. The shorthand stuff that doesn't lead to mm-hmm. like a big franchise. It's just like a small condensed idea. Yeah. With a good concept. Exactly. Like the the ones that don't, um, the ones that aren't necessarily like moralistic writing, but mm-hmm. more so like expressing the traits of a character and how they develop throughout a narrative and how they learn indirect lessons rather than, you know, being told directly. Now, that being said, a lot of the writing that I do focuses more on providing a moral, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, in, in a lot of ways, um, well, actually, like in poetry, there's, um, there's what is known as a turn. And with a turn, it's where you know, the the big lesson is revealed or like the significance of a poem is revealed in a line. In a lot of the stories that I write, there's that one significant line. And you, you saw that in the most recent story that I showed you. Yes, yes. And mm-hmm. I, it was a very good line. I, I can't remember it off the top of my head right Neither now. can I. But it was, it was very good and I very much enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Mm, I, it, was, it was something about like uh, not having the intrigue to want to know something but like knowing that you don't have to care to know it or something like that right it it was something along those lines it it makes me upset that i can't remember it for the (laughs) one time that i would need to know it it's okay but uh the the story was about um it, it was about these two old friends and um one of them comes to visit the other one and they she goes out onto her friend's porch to realize like there's this odd and there there's an anomaly on her back porch there's there 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 are these floating patches of moss like up toward you know like the roof of her porch and they're just they're just floating there on their own they're just there they can't be moved they they have they're bioluminescent so they glow at night and her friend is unconcerned by it she doesn't care she's uninterested in trying to find an answer to it and her friend is like, and you know, the, the main character is losing her mind that her friend just is unconcerned about the floating patches of moss. She well, put it there. She did not. <laughs> <laughs> I can confirm that. But you know, at the end of it, what, Came what, the house. what it be? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but at the end of it, what, what it boils down to is that the friend is more concerned about enjoying the, her time with that, with that anomaly and living around it and being able to appreciate it from a distance and knowing that one day she may find out, but for now it's just there. Right. And well, not, and not wasting all of her time, just trying to figure out this one thing that she'd rather spend time just mm-hmm. enjoying instead. Exactly. Which is a beautiful thing. Yeah. I mean, it, it's more about, you know, appreciating the moment than trying to, you know, rationalize the moment, I guess is a good way of putting it because, Man, I- I'm gonna be honest. Like, the it, it the the intent of that story was to sort of like get kind of condense my thoughts over the last year because I I, I spent a lot of time what is known as ruminating and ruminating is uh, actually from a psychological perspective, the act of rumination is um, looking at the symptoms or the problems. <clears throat> 
that have led to something rather than um, coming up with um, a you know a, um, a solution to that problem. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, like I'll I'll sit here and like think about like how I got to this moment or like you know what what has led to the issues that I have currently rather than you know presenting a solution or trying to figure out where I can go from here to eventually come up with a solution. And you know part of that was me you know part of me writing that story was just trying to rationalize that part of it. I, I we got incredibly off topic. No, I don't I don't it. think so at all. That was that was really good. I yeah. I enjoyed reading that short story and I also really enjoy understanding where it came from from your perspective. That's mm-hmm. that's really nice. But I mean, uh, like back to me wanting to be a writer. I have no idea where I'm going from here, and that terrifies me. <laughs> and that is something I think a lot of artists, which I specifically, I know, can sympathize with because mm-hmm. the future right now is very uncertain for our oh, industry. Yeah. And on top of that, it's already a very hard thing to even look at. Uh, mm-hmm. A majority of our country looks at artists as one of the top useless jobs Hell yeah, baby. Which is yeah. funny because I remember seeing that in like some magazine and I was thinking to myself, okay, but like who made the art for the diagram of that magazine? Who made the cover for that magazine? Mm-hmm. Who made the idea for the magazine? Yeah. Typically artists it, and it, writers it, and authors. It's very disillusioning when you think about like how much of our society is crafted by artists and maintained by artists. But not but appreciated. Exactly. They're devalued. Yes. And it's very upsetting. And it's something that we've we've seen and experienced our entire lives. But I think that's that comes with uh, the fact of stigma that when people think of uh, a literal artist, someone that like sculpts or paints or something, mm-hmm. they think of someone who puts their their works out into a museum or a mm-hmm. gallery and they expect to sell it to people mm-hmm. like they think that and they're just like you're never going to get that to sell whereas it's not that like there are engineers that are artists exactly. engineers are entirely artists they make architecture yeah and other things of that nature like and that's where we get so much inspiration for art and yeah like it's crazy that people view it that way i know like it 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 does bother me that in a lot of ways art is viewed by many to be like this useless you know facet of what humanity is capable of but at the same time you know it's responsible for designing the things that you know we still use to this day like at some point someone designed this microphone and this microphone stand and that television display and all your gundam models up there (laughs) (laughs) and like I just like in a, in a lot of ways, I wish people would just step back and realize like artists have in a lot in more ways than one have shaped the world to what it is. You know what mm-hmm. helps you do that? What weed? Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you're on you're on a real just token <laughs> trip here, buddy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But you're gonna talk because... a lot. Of, yeah, you're, I, I imagine you're gonna talk a lot about weed in your segment. <laughs> when we get I there, I want to be but... a weed farmer. I don't think so <laughs> I would. It was like. 2019 when i started so wow yeah um but no arguably because of this pandemic people are now realizing that art is so valuable because they're stuck inside all day doing nothing and all they have is art Mm -hmm. or or something along the lines of art to just start to appreciate things and i think that's another thing that comes with this whole pandemic is people are starting to appreciate things more to their value because they're starting to understand that those things aren't just permanent there are things that can stop you from going to work or going out to dinner or Mm -hmm. getting your groceries and and it makes you realize how much you really appreciate the ability to just go out and be able to do a thing 
mm-hmm. of any nature. But at the same time, being forced to stay inside, it really forces you to ground yourself and look around and figure out what else there is to do with your life other than work, yeah. which is another thing that I want to like, I want to isolate on this topic. Uh, this topic is where, like what you want out of yourself, not necessarily what you want to do working wise because mm-hmm. you can you can do an offhand thing that isn't work and it'd yeah. be the thing that you consider like this is this is like what i do and it's it's uh it's a quote by dr house yeah dr. yes house. dr house from our college i had him for I one i love sem- dr house yes that <laughs> um i'm breaking my one name drop rule because i love that man he deserves oh, it wonderful. he really does. he's he's a wonderful teacher and it was one of the quotes that he said whenever we were doing um an autobiography on ourselves for the semester and he said think of this as a matter of what you do determines who you are like everyone has a a thought process on like you have to be really good at a thing to consider yourself a master of that thing or or the title of that thing like you have to be really good at art to be an artist you have to be really good at writing to be a writer and he uh he said that does not determine what you are just just because you might not be good at that thing doesn't make you any less of that thing right now in my class you're all writers because you are writing for me so you all consider yourself writers and what you write about has to do with what you are in your life if you're uh, a musician but you're terrible at music you're still a musician it doesn't make you less of one because it's still something you do yeah so like in a, in a perspective of like what you do with your life i think that's an important thing to consider that just because you work as a tax collector does not mean that that is like the highlight of your life as i worked as a tax collector no that tax collector goes home to a a a train set and has like a huge train set in his basement or something yeah and that is like what his thing is is he's a he's a train collector he likes building model trains not that he's a tax collector a a railroad aficionado he's also a tax collector yes (laughs) as opposed to a tax collector yeah i mean uh, looking at it from that perspective like what I would love to see out of myself is someone whose work inspires people. I would absolutely like my, my personal dream. And I mean, like, like end all be all, if this happens to me one day, I will like, I'll, I'll like, I'll smile, I'll go home and then I'll curl up and cry knowing that I finally (laughs) did the thing that I want to do. I, one day I would love it. If someone just randomly on the street looked at me and shook my hand and said, thank you, you know? Like I, I, oh my god, damn that Does that it... would that would mean so much to me because that that is what I've always seen art as a, a way to inspire people, a way to teach people, a way to change people's life, if mm-hmm. not indirectly, you know, and you know a lot of work has done that for me, a yeah. lot of work. And there's so many creators, I'm sure, that you want to just approach and be like, thank you for this because oh, it, yeah. it, it it brought you some breakthrough in your life that you're just like, oh my god, yeah, I get this aspect now or. I understand what I want to do with this or something like that. It's not even that just like through, you know, entertainment, Mm -hmm. you know, like I, I've, I've heard stories of so many different periods that are defined by certain pieces of literature and media. I I think one of the best examples I ever saw, it it was an article I was reading years ago on the, the old book series, Dick and Jane from back, back in the 1950s. 
and there was a museum display with these books displayed, you know, like a whole collection of them. And people would go into this museum and they would cry. Like they they would look at that and just be overwhelmed with nostalgia. That's crazy. They, they would just be like, that defined my childhood and that defined my life and my perception of it. Yeah. You know? Because like, it, was, it was a very heavy thing for like learning for yeah. children in that time. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And like I... I would just love it if I had an opportunity to help shape someone's life or at least their childhood, you know, like that's the end all be all for me to, if not teach a lesson to at least entertain. Yeah. You know, and that, that I think is all you could ask for as an artist is, is to leave an impact on somebody somewhere for someone to, even if they don't approach, you know, that somewhere out there, someone understood it. Like they, exactly. they looked at it and they were like, I get it. Yeah. I entirely get what they were doing here mm-hmm. and I love it because of that. Yeah. I mean, and it's because of that I I wanted to pursue other mediums uh, of art as well. And I, you have been. I've noticed that that yeah. you've been drawing a little uh, I, a little more storyboard writing and stuff yeah. like that. I like this is another thing I've also wanted to draw for years and that started back in like 2012 and like I tried getting into it and then I dropped it and then like later on in high school I tried doing it again and I dropped it and then college same thing happened tried dropped it and now I'm at a point where I'm back to trying it again and right before we started doing this podcast I was up in my room trying to draw something and I for the life of me could not and I got frustrated it's tough. Yeah, it, it's, it's it's really hard. Some like, some forms just come more naturally to some people, which mm-hmm. is really crazy. But that's another topic, I feel. Yeah. And like and, and like over the years, I've learned a lot about you know like you know illustration and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Like I, I know about you know like color theory and you know the importance of anatomy, shading, lighting, and all these different things. And, and like I, it, it hurts, right? Because I, I have an understanding of all these things. I know how they how they're supposed to work. I like I I have like entire folders on my old laptop of like different references and I'm like one day like it, it's gonna happen it's gonna click it's just gonna one happen one day yeah. and like every time I go back to it I'm like shit not <laughs> today like, and like I like I try to like draw a straight line and I just shoot across the page I'm like man all right I do the same thing with cooking where oh, like yeah? I watched a lot of Food Network growing up mm-hmm. so like I understand in theory everything there is to know about cooking mm-hmm. you sear the meat you season the things <laughs> you... but in practice but in practice i am a mess <laughs> yeah <laughs> my mom tells me all the time i'm a danger in the kitchen <laughs> it's, yeah. it's tough it's it's really tough yeah. and i i also can sympathize with that there's there's aspects where like i can't do visual art for the life of me i am just so fully audio centric that mm-hmm. is just how i perceive art yeah and, and that's really cool though but but at the same time like i can get i can understand visual i entirely get it like mm-hmm. i look at a thing and i'm like i get what's going on here i understand why this makes an impact on me and i understand what they did to make that happen putting it in practice i'm like oh my god yeah. what do i do like the first time i had a lighting class i was yeah. I was so shit out of luck. I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Like, I understood what had to happen, and I couldn't put it into formation at all. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like when you want it to materialize. It's like, it, it's so frustrating, right? Mm-hmm. Because, like, being able to grasp something, but as soon as you have to put it into motion, it slips right out of your hand. Yeah. It is the most frustrating thing in the world. All right. I think we are getting a little off topic but with that one because that is definitely a conversation for another time, but I'm still really glad we got to talk about it. Oh, yeah. Super great. Tyler, how about you? Yeah, your turn, buddy. Big man. 
beard, I bro? Am... What? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Just getting ready. With... <laughs> My voice sucks. I hate it. It's okay. No, not at all. You talk... have a beautiful voice, you... Dude, you're a rapper. What are you talking about? <laughs> I have to like reset it every time. My voice is different every single day. One day it'll be really I, I think raspy. That's, I think that's in your head. Yeah, dude. I don't think so. Chill out. <laughs> Because I need to like warm up my voice after a whole day of talking at work. Yeah. Like my voice is how it sounds right now, which I like. Mm-hmm. But other times it's like, oh, raspy, and I have to like <laughs> clear my throat. Wait, but before you continue, have you ever watched the Naked Brothers Band? I have. Oh uh, do you God. remember the episode where um where um the 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 Nat Wolf he he like wakes up and his voice is like all raspy and yes. he, he, he like sticks his head in the freezer for a little bit to try to get back to when it's damaged. <laughs> Do that. Okay, yeah. Wake up every morning. Take tips and... from the Naked Brother Band. Yeah, Naked Brothers <laughs> Band. How dare you? Nate Wolf, I have you, I'll have you know, is doing nothing. <laughs> his brother's really good, though. Yeah, he, he, he his was bro- just in Jumanji. I know. It's his scary. His brother was in Jumanji? Yeah, Alex, Alex Wolf. Yeah. 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 I didn't know that. He was like the main character for the intro until he turned into The Rock. Oh yeah. my god, that's insane. He, he turned into Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Let that be an inspiration, everyone listening. <laughs> but now, now we're way off you believe topic. Hard yes, enough. what do you, you what do you, you'll be a Hawaiian. <laughs> what do you want your life to amount to? I want to be the rock now. <laughs> <laughs> I am kind of a jack of all trades. I want to do everything. I want to be good at everything. Um... And that is that is really how I've always known you to be, and not just like how you go about doing things, but just you have an innate ability to just pick things up. Thank you. You just you really do, <laughs> yeah. and I've said it before, but honestly, you just you really just look at a thing or a talent or a skill a few times, and you might not be like amazing at it, but you pick it up at an adept level almost instantly unless it's crazy. smash brothers then it's a lost cause okay well um, <laughs> other than smash brothers but... that's <laughs> such a difficulty curve <laughs> <laughs> but uh i want to be a rapper uh i want to be a producer i produce all of my music mix master um i want to be in a rock band i want to play to thousands millions of people <laughs> <laughs> wow um uh, yeah, I'm just an artist, man. Yeah, and that is another thing that I've always known you to be. Ever since high school, that is ultimately the ideal thing that you wanted. And I remember you've had a lot of different ideas for where you wanted to move into the future, like building a, a skate park or just doing your own producing or producing for others at some point, maybe. Yeah, I've never been the type to have this nine to five. Like it's just bullshit to me. I can't take it seriously at all. And I think that's that goes for a lot of people, uh, especially in this room. Uh, mm-hmm. I know for sure me, I, I used to work not necessarily nine to fives, but retail or working at sheets as like mm-hmm. fry cooker or some stupid thing like a walmart and i just remember thinking like i can't do this yeah i can't do this for the rest of my life like as someone who has also worked for sheets and someone who currently works retail the idea of a nine to five makes me want to die it's it's pretty yeah. awful dolly parton just hit it right right on the head the worst part for me is the boss. I don't want to have a boss. It's like, yeah. stop telling me what to do. You want to be your own person. You want to do <laughs> yeah. your own things. You don't want someone telling you otherwise. 
pulling it back a bit, you wanted to build a skate park? Yeah. <laughs> I still want to have my own indoor skate park. Indoor. Yeah. Indoor. I just want to be the man. The man. <laughs> the, the rock. Man. Uh, the rock. The rock. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to be, like, fucking ripped. <laughs> I have a whole slew of mental issues that stop me from doing it. Um mm-hmm. I want to be the boss, so that means I want to. I want to be a streamer. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Which I think we should do in the future. We should try again at that because we did that a little while ago, and it was just for fun. And I think we could absolutely make it go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And also, I saw your Facebook. You shared something on Facebook, Danny. It said the new being a rapper is being a streamer. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm both. How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> I still love you, and I support you in everything that you do. I resent it. And I support your art because it's beautiful. You say you resent it? Yes. <laughs> I'm just joking. Though. I resent you. I, I you believe know. in you. Thank you. I Aww, do. I don't. So wow. in, in the in the same vein, I feel like we, you, you and I share a lot of parallels between like what we're really trying to do with our lives because I'm, I'm absolutely a sound audio guy through and through i i fell in love with working with audio in high school into college and it just has really stuck with me regardless of how good i think i am or am not but that that, there are a few things that i really wanted to try to do like whenever i first started college i wanted to be a producer like hardcore like that was what i was set on i wanted to sit in a studio a well-made studio with all the, the the latest tech and audio and and help people achieve what they wanted their album to sound like because i i took this field trip um in high school to a studio called red kaiman media or red kaiman it's either media or just studio i can't remember one of the two and it's in pittsburgh and there was a man there who owned it i'm not gonna say his name just because i don't know what he's doing um but he just told us about what his job was and i was like this is amazing like he literally just sat in his studio and brainstormed, how can I make your album better? What can I add to it that really gives the flash to it? And it's not necessarily always his style of music, but like he's putting his own spins on things. And typically at the end result, the customer always comes back like that was a great add-on. Like I, I never thought of doing this one thing to make this sound really pop out. Like I remember one story he said was um, they were really looking for like a specific percussive sound, but like no drum head they had just just fit what they wanted. So we just started taking random objects and just banging on them. It was like, is that it? No, no, that's not it. Move over. Is that it? No. Maybe change the stick he's using. Maybe use like a, a, a more feathered tip or something. Boom. Is that it? No. Turned out the thing he wanted was like this very specific sized tupperware container with a very specific drumstick and it just it just boom and he played he played the album back to us and we were like that was amazing and then he's like all right now listen without and it just it just completely sucked it out just not having that one percussive beat in the song completely ruined the song which is crazy um and from that i just gained inspiration i was like i just i want to do this wow you you want to find tupperware yeah (laughs) it it just it just threw me for a loop so hard the idea of getting to sit in a booth and listen to people perform for me all day and make Mm. them sound better out of it 
Um, and then I got to school and I learned what really goes into being a producer. And I was like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. I don't want to do this at all. Um, just because of all the money handling that it involved and all the bookkeeping and mm -hmm. the, the, there's some producers out there and, and this is some insight into the music industry. For those of you who don't know, uh, hiring a producer, unless you are absolutely certain, you know what you're doing is a complete and total waste of your time. And I mean that in the nicest way possible. It, it just is because they charge so much money and they take so much of your royalties out of what you produce because mm -hmm. they are involved in your artistic vision now. They are helping you make that song so they cannot be left out of it. And they take money from whatever you earn in a very vampiric way. And it's mm -hmm. disgusting. And it ruins a lot of artists. Like You'd be surprised how many of your favorite artists whether they be actually crazy pop stars or just alt bands that you know of, mm -hmm. some of them live like trash because they really don't make the returns you think on the songs they make because the, the studios take all of what they make. Mm -hmm. And half the songs they make sometimes are just the studios. They're not even their songs. It's just the studio hires a ghostwriter and they make a beat or they make the song and they're like, okay, you add some lyrics to this. And maybe like one third of the song you just performed is actually yours, which is insane. So I was like, no, I'm not doing this. I can't, I can't in full faith be a part of a mu an artistic vision where I'm stealing from the person who's really doing the work. Mm -hmm. Like I'm doing work, but not nearly as much as the person who's sitting there night after night with a book in their hand and a pencil in their hand, writing lyrics and writing out stabs of music, just trying to figure out what makes it work right. They're the ones that earned that. So I was like, just fuck it. Um, and then I found live audio and I was like, this is so much better. Um, I'm not taking as much from the musician. I may be taking an equal share off of live gigs that the musician is making, maybe sometimes a little more, but it's a separate pay. It's not what they're earning taken out to me. It's what the person who hired us is hiring the live performance and me separately. And I thought that's just not, that's a way better way of doing it. Um, and in terms of what I want to do with that in the future, I just want to stay involved in audio yeah. <laughs> in any way possible, because it's, it's a very hard industry to stay in. And especially in Pittsburgh, it is just this nice little knit group of people that really do all the audio in Pittsburgh, mm -hmm. whether it be live or producing. And you just, you just got a network like crazy. And I just want to stay involved in that as much as I can. And right now it means not necessarily doing live sound. Like I do a live sound gig during the day, but I've been doing a lot more commissions for songwriting. Mm. And maybe I want to start producing a little more on my own without charging the insane rates. And, um, I've been doing a lot of work with movies, which yeah. I'm surprisingly really enjoying, which is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But that is ultimately what I just want to have my life end with. Like at the end of my life, if people can recognize me as that guy that made my wedding amazing because the sound work was incredible or my birthday party was off the hizzle because this guy <laughs> frizzled my nizzle. All right. Calm oh down. My. That that's that's what I wanted to end with. You pay extra Hizzle for my that. nizzle. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, you pay extra for that. Yeah. I'm sorry. I kind of stole the spotlight out from I underneath you. On that. I just didn't answer <laughs> what I want out of it. Yeah. So what do you want out uh, of it? Yeah. I guess just to relinquish myself of 
anxiety. That's an interesting way to think of it. Yeah, stepping away from, like, having people take something away from it. That's all That's all good, but what about myself? What am I getting out of it? Like, I feel like I'm scared to fail. <laughs> so I just want to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that, is, that is a hard-boiled way to look at it for sure, but in all respect and, and a perfectly reasonable way to look at it as well. Um, <laughs> I, I completely lost my train of thought, Josh. You had something to say. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I do think it's a very good way to look at it. You know, ridding yourself of that anxiety, making sure that one day, like you, you do succeed. Yeah. Like making sure that you know you do get you conquer that aspect of yourself that's saying you're fucked, man. You're never gonna do this. <laughs> like I've been like that too. I've been like that for the last, I say, like eight years of my life. There were points when I was in college. I'm like, what am I even doing here? Like, I'm, like, being a writer. Like, even now, like, I'm out of college. I've been out of college for about two years now. I, I want to be a writer, but I'm, I'm so nervous, you know? I'm, I'm so scared of failing in a lot of aspects. It's prevented me from progressing as a writer. Like, I'm, I'm very hesitant to send out manuscripts to really, you know, polish the work that I think has potential because I'm not too sure if it'll even get there. Yeah, there's just, like, not, not a concrete way of, there's not like a step-by-step guide on yeah. how to do it so yeah i mean like anxiety is something that has cursed me curses you and curses a, a fuck ton of artists if not all of them do you think you're good at writing i yeah i i like to think i am i yeah, don't know if it... i think i'm a great fucking artist and yeah and it's y- just knowing how to throw it out there and yeah catch something yeah you know catch, catch the market's eyes yeah from that perspective but, you know, like, the idea that, like, the end goal is to rid yourself of that anxiety to make it, I think that's amazing. I really yeah. do. I think it's a very noble goal. It's it's a very determined goal, yeah. for sure, because I feel like it's that, that feeling of wanting to rid yourself of the anxiety that's really pushing you to make it more of a reality. Yeah. Because Over- you're at a constant point of fearing, like, I... I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to do anything with this. So you're just like, no, fuck it. I am going to do something with this. And it's going to be recognized. Yeah. I mean, overcoming yourself, I feel like that that is as good of a goal as you can get. Absolutely. I think it's important to understand what our own ideas of success are Mm -hmm. and to not hold ourselves to standards that we can't exceed. Because like you said, like you're, you're never happy with, the finished result you want to go back and you want to yeah you want to fix things and you don't want to send them in because you're afraid of getting rejected but like when we redefine success for ourselves and when we understand that you know i i sent that that story in Mm -hmm. that's a success it is yeah and i think we need to we need to start concentrating on minor successes Mm -hmm. and appreciate them for what they are because those minor successes amount to what you ultimately want and and to reflect on that that is a lot of how we talked about your situation with the prison ideas is those small ideas eventually rolling up to become the thing that needs to happen Mm -hmm. there we go it's a reflection within yourself of the small goals making it to what you need to have happen yeah bringing it back one of my one of my fears is uh, once I start doing it and getting the success is keeping up with it. Like, am I going to be able to keep up with 
Oh yeah. With all the people, are they just gonna lose interest in me? Am I gonna be able to make these songs? Yeah, like you know, being a one-hit wonder, I feel is uh, is a big fear of a lot of artists. Oh, like, it absolutely is like, because like, it it, re- it reassures you of the idea that you know you have what it takes and you have what you need. Mm-hmm. It's just recreating it on a consistent level to make it keep happening. Yeah, like do you want to be like Hot Chili Ray or do you want to be Brandon Urie? You know, that, that sort of thing. I think I'm Brandon Urie. I like 100%. <laughs> wow. You know, I, I, I every think... song I've ever written is a fucking hit to me. So. Hell yeah, dude. But I mean, I, like, I guess to weigh in, I still like Hot Chili Ray. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's so, nothing wrong with that. Tonight, yeah. Tonight. We're going to party on the rooftop, top of the world. I like Downtown Girl. No one ever talks about Downtown Girl. I but, like that song a lot. Sing it? It, it, <laughs> no, I don't want to. I don't know what you're talking about. It, 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 the lyrics are like, "You're a downtown, downtown girl, girl." Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that even if you do end up, you know, like being that, that sort of a flare rather than like a, you know, a, a lasting bonfire. That's a dumb fucking metaphor. But um, I'll be it, a bonfire. Hell yeah, dude. But even if you are that flare, there's always going to be people who remember that remember that thing that they saw i mean you, who can forget then, smash mouth he, they're still <laughs> around they, they had a resurgence around. with a meme though they did mm-hmm. yeah they're forever you but know, even without the meme you're gonna remember them yeah like everyone remembered <laughs> all-star like that that all-star was, star was in so many movies yeah i just it hope was. that they look back at me and not be like oh he fell off that's sad yeah mm. But at the same time, you know, like it, I think it goes back to what Danny said. Like it's that small success. It, it's knowing yeah. that like you still managed to, you know, you, you still managed to do, you know, something. You you managed to succeed even a I little could be, bit. I could be like the lead singer of Sugar Ray. <laughs> what is that even? <laughs> he was he was huge. He was on top of the world, getting radio play all the time, and now he's just making a living off cameo. Like, <laughs> <really>. <laughs> he's like telling people that they're fired for like a hundred bucks <laughs> letting them down gently oh my god really yeah that's crazy <laughs> tyler i don't know that sounds like a good future <laughs> what you think i should be on cameo right now yeah just it, josh it... you're fired from the <laughs> <laughs> from the podcast like i'm the new co-host me and hunter were talking about it i'm sorry man thank you do i owe you two hundred dollars now yes (laughs) (laughs) well actually hunter hunter owes me 200 because he's the one who wanted me to make this cameo for you yeah this is is true i asked him get out wow all right well thank you guys you know it was was an honor i'm very happy for my two episode tenure on raw catch-up you know many years of service i'm glad it didn't go to waste you know no, you could never be replaced, Josh. No. But Tyler, I want to see you on this more. I love you, buddy. Oh, on the podcast? Thank yeah. You. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not fired? Well, <laughs> 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 anyway, as, as, a, as a side topic of what we were just discussing, it kind of came back to light in my head. It was part of the discussion that I really wanted to hit home. Um, part of Part of the idea of really achieving what you want out of your life and like separating that from like what you do as work uh really hit home for me recently because it came to a realization that i had a lot of aspirations in high school of what i really ultimately wanted to do like because i didn't start doing audio just off off the top of my head like i i got there through being a musician like i played the cello since like fourth grade i 
been playing it for like years now. Um, and for a long time before I even had a concept of like, what am I doing with my future? I just wanted to play music. I wanted to be a musician. And then that was like too hard of a goal to achieve. So I was like, okay, step back. What's the next best thing? And I learned I really like teaching and tutoring because there were a few students in high school that I taught how to uh, play cello. And I was like, I really love doing that. And then I had to take another step back. And I was like, okay, the, te the teaching industry is way down. And on top of that is the music teaching industry is even further down. So there's no way that's happening. Um, and every time I just like, when I was thinking about what I really want to do, I had to keep taking steps back and steps back and steps back and minimizing the idea of like, what's possible? What can I really do with this? Um, and when I started finally doing audio, I started to pick up on all of the things that I really wanted to end up doing anyway, just through knowing people or doing it just for myself. And I realized like, just because I'm trying to do one thing doesn't mean I still can't do those other things. Like I still get to teach at this high school nearby for their marching band. And I get to still do the audio end of it. And I'm, I'm starting to do producing now and like maybe even start playing in my own songs or other people's songs just to fill the time gap. Um, and all of that can amount to the ultimate ideal goal of like achieving all the things you really wanted to get out of your life. Just because they're not your workflow doesn't mean that you can't still do them all. Mm -hmm. And that's my two cents on it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I think I suffer from that. You do because you have so many like different multifaceted things that you try to do. And it's, it's like trying to figure out which one's the right road to continue doing to make it big. But ultimately you can still do all of them just because you rap doesn't mean you have to give up skateboarding. Like, or just cause I rap doesn't mean I can't fucking throw down some guttural vocals on <laughs> <laughs> some deaf core instrumentals. Absolutely. Yeah, Mix I, it up, make it different. And at I'm the same time, Kelly. Yeah. But, but at the same time, you know, like you, you also shouldn't be afraid to pick up new things. You shouldn't be afraid to try new things and diversify like yourself weed. as an artist. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yeah. Uh, yeah, you shouldn't be afraid of like, if I start dedicating all my time to this new skill, am I going to ruin my chances of doing the thing that I really want to do? Um, mm -hmm. And that just comes down to a boiled amount of like, how much free time do you really have? Yeah. Uh, what side projects do you really care about more than others? Priorities. Prioritizing like mm -hmm. what you like to do in your life. Yeah, but even with all that, you know, life is about experimentation. We're only here for, you know, for a short amount of time. Do what you can. Try to, you know, try to find your happiness. In a lot of ways, you know, you may not have, you may not have found, you know, what you're truly set at, you know, set out to do. Mm -hmm. Like tomorrow, I could find out, like I'm into like Gregorian chants, and all of a sudden, like I'm, <laughs> you're I'm, on the Gregorian chant. Game. Yeah, I'm off. Okay. Like I'm, I'm doing my own thing. Like I'm making it big in the Gregorian chant business. Do you know one? <laughs> do I know what? A chant? No. All right. It's a hypothetical. Oh man, I got I got I got to teach you guys about reading Gregorian charts and stuff cuz it's It's scary. It's before Beethoven was like this is how modern music should be written. So it's just, it's it's crazy. You just get like a starting note and then just lines that go up and down and you just kind of figure out where the pitches go in between that. Yeah, just the frequency, you have to match it. Yeah, and that's more of like just a passed down taught thing. 
Mm-hmm. Is, I, is it sort of like an oral tradition? A completely off topic, but I'm just curious. Like Gregorian chants. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's literally just like a you get the chart and you you understand what infliction your voice moves in based off of where the lines move, depending up or down. And typically, there's other older choir members that learned it from their previous older choir members and their previous choir members, and it's just I like see. an idea of okay. This is ideally where the notes move, but this is the note you're supposed to hit. Mm-hmm. They like teach you like oh, oh, oh is like how it's supposed to go as opposed to oh, oh like too low. Mm-hmm. I see. You know the concept of literacy is crazy because like two hundred, like even like three hundred years ago, like like most of the population being literate in any way, whether it be musically or you know actually you know literacy as in being able to read. <laughs> You know, Arguably, like, literacy is still an issue. Oh, it entirely. <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah. It, not to the extent that it was. No, no yeah. not even close. But yes, it, it was for such a long time that it was just a taught thing, but from generation to generation of just my mom taught me how to say words, but I'm not going to understand past that. Yeah, like what that word really means, or like how it's put in a sentence, or like how i even write that word mm-hmm. which is insane and then that's that passes into the music phase of like learning modern music again another subject for another matter yeah <laughs> to oh, go yeah. back to what you said like learning something on a like tomorrow and maybe that's the thing you might be doing yeah i learned something new maybe i could become the next best beatboxer cuz oh. i learned how to throat sing there oh, you this go. This is true. This yeah. is your most recent uh, skill that you have learned. You want to yeah. give us a little taste of it? Do it. I um, right up close I to the microphone. I never thought I'd be able to do it, but yeah. That's so cool. How do you? Whoa! I got it really crisp. So I can't believe it. How do you do that? Uh, it's like clearing your throat, but like you, you just hold it in there and just. <clears throat> Wow. Yeah. I can't do that because it hurts my throat. <laughs> yeah, it hurts your throat for a little bit until you get used to it. You have to work at it. I can. And yeah. be- because I'm a truck driver, that's all I did. Because <laughs> I was listening to a podcast. This kid came on. Like, if you have this thing called GERD, you have a lot of like mucus in your throat. GERD? Yes. Which I think I might have. I've never been diagnosed. Got that GERD. He was like, if you have GERD, you might be able to throat sing because the the podcast host, he has GERD. So he just learned there. No, he didn't learn, but they were trying to learn. And then I was like, maybe I could do it. (laughs) So I started practicing. I got good at it. That's what crazy. I mean. You just you just pick up things yeah. naturally. You're gonna be you're gonna be on Broadway in a few years for throat singing. <laughs> and I don't know what possessed me to try it. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. It's possibly just the hours upon hours that you just sit in a truck driving that you were like, I have nothing else to do. Nah, it's my calling. I'm the next beatboxing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the rock of the beatboxing world. There nice. you go. <laughs> Bringing it back. Bringing it back. Damn. All circles. I'm I'm the rock of podcasting now. That's I'm it. I'm good at this. You're the host. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, back to cameo. You're fired, Hunter. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> no. <laughs> what am I gonna do? How am I gonna pay my bills now? 
<laughs> too many callbacks. Certainly not making another podcast that doesn't earn en- any money in any way. What are you talking about? We just got the NordVPN sponsorship. Are you for real? Yeah. You just don't made forget to. <laughs> Mr. NordVPN came on. We have to make a bunch of hats now. Don't forget to get NordVPN, guys. Yeah, guys. Are, are you afraid that the FBI is going to see your silly pictures on the internet? Remember, Raycon's buy them i yeah. don't know use nordvpn <laughs> in your raycons that's the thing that's always like puzzled me about the what are they called sponsorships the, no the, the 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 internet things vpn the VPNs. vpns it's like what are you protecting i mean like the, the well. what, what, <laughs> see, what the main goal of vpn it 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 um it changes your IP address, yes. right? And you can redirect okay. it that way. That sites who you know look at your data, who like see where you are, and advertise to you according to that, along with you know like your search history, all that. Like it just protects you. It gives you that extra layer of anonymity. Because literally, the only people I know that use VPNs are the kind of people that like. Are you protecting your meme stash? Your memes or something more sinister. Yeah. (laughs) No, I think they're just like they're my friends. They're just gamers. They're nerds. It's it's understand. It's it's like a matter of like how 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 uh, hermited are you that you're like I don't want anyone knowing about these things. Which I mean, honestly, is kind of fair. Mm -hmm. I did an experiment a while ago with some friends where we left our phones on Facebook open yeah. and we talked about ritz crackers for an hour and a half and nothing but ritz crackers ads were showing up on our facebook line after that ch- chat and i was like wow i really don't like that my phone is consistently listening to what i'm saying yeah, to like advertise to me for that matter that is where vpn comes in mm-hmm. it prevents those sites like facebook or other things from doing all that data mining or or watching your search history or knowing where you're going other than yeah. facebook mm-hmm. to advertise to you on those things yeah or where miss something yeah. or or where you are specifically or where you are yeah. there's and, a and, lot that just yeah. do that and going back to that vpns will also allow you to access media that is exclusive to certain regions that is so also true if you use a vpn on say netflix it'll give you access to like you know all of the media that is present on japanese netflix but for don't example. tell them that <laughs> yeah <laughs> So like you, you want to go on like Spanish Netflix? There you go. You can watch <laughs> Telemundo. Yeah, Televandi. <laughs> Telemundi. <laughs> All right. Well, we've hit our hour mark. And she I... was going to admit something though. I forgot what I was going to admit. <laughs> All right. Maybe you'll think of it later. Come back next us. week for the startling conclusion to this. <laughs> <laughs> I think we had a lot of very good and rousing conversation and a lot to really reflect on and think about for our futures. And I hope that you, the listener, have also gotten the chance to really think about where you want to end up in your future and what you want to be remembered for yeah i'm hunter um, my name is joshua i'm ty i'm danny and it was a pleasure talking with all of you buy our hats <laughs> goodbye <laughs>